kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes, got her wings on too. You know I never seen a better stew. Oh, Betty and the Jets. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. Well, I've been having something exciting going on. Quite a few months ago, I got an email from a producer at the BBC. I'll tell you what, it is shocking to me sometimes how gifts just get delivered via the computer. You know, you just go to check your email in the morning and there's an email that says, do you want to do a show for the BBC? Um, at first, I, th I was thinking, you know, a weekly show, a monthly show. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> but actually, it's just a 30-minute one-time show. And that's still a big freaking deal. I mean, it's the BBC. It goes out to like, I think it's like 192 million people around the world. And it's just going to be me talking for 30 minutes. Now, I know I do this podcast once a month, but it's different when you're talking, you know, a professional organization with a gigantic audience. <laughs> I was a little nervous, but they were like, well, the commissioning process takes a long time. And I didn't hear anything again for months. And I, I, I sort of forgot about it because a lot of things sort of um, blow over. Nothing comes of it. I've learned over this podcast career <laughs> that you know don't get too excited about stuff I mean the book came through but I also I don't think I even was ever talking about this on the podcast but at one point I was writing for a Canadian TV show it was going to be called Plain Jane get it Plain Jane and uh I thought it was turning out pretty darn good and then it just sort of um tanked nothing no, just worked on it and nothing nothing came of it and I didn't get too disappointed because like I said I just don't get that excited but then months later uh, I get an email and the BBC says, you know, they've commissioned the show and uh, it's set for the end of October. So I have flown, I've met the producer twice now, once in London and once in Barcelona. And, and it's it's coming out pretty good. Uh, it's going to be part of a larger series of programs uh, called 100 Women Around the World. And... I am so flattered to be chosen as one of the hundred women by the BBC. And I want to say, uh, there's part of me that wants to say, um, you know, I, I serve Cokes for a living, right? <laughs> you know, because I'm sure a lot of these other women are going to be doing really important things. <laughs> and here I am talking about funny stories on airplanes. But hey, you know, if they, they want to include me in the hundred women, I say, yahoo! <laughs> so I'll keep you informed. It should be late October on the BBC Radio World Service. We'll switch the tables just for a moment. We're here in Barcelona, 
and we've been doing an interview for the BBC, and I decided to ask my interviewer if he had a funny airline story. I'm not sure it's funny, but it was a revelation to me. <laughs> I was working for the BBC, and I went out to Ethiopia to cover an athletics race. Wow. And it was the first of its kind. It was called the Great Ethiopian Run. Very big occasion for the city, for Addis Ababa. Lots of high-profile names involved. Yeah. Really excited to be there. And on the flight out, it was one of the very first flights that was going direct from London to Addis Ababa at the time. I like to... Sorry. That's all right. Are you keeping that wine glass? No. <laughs> I like to say that again. What was the name of the town? Just to say it is so fun. It was one of the very first flights to go from London to Addis Ababa. That's the one I like. Addis Ababa? Addis Ababa. <laughs> <laughs> and, like a joke. And weirdly, Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, is... It's a lot greener than you think it is. You assume Ethiopia is going to be dry and dusty. This is a very verdant landscape. But on the flight out, the crew were very um, professional. They're very staid. It was all very, you know, as you'd expect it to be on a, a large prestige flight to this new destination. Now, we went out there, spent a week there, had a great time. The crew was staying in the same hotel with us as all the reporters. So we got to know the crew fairly well. And on the last night, the night before we all flew home, Everyone went out and somebody local said, I know a great bar, you've got to come to this bar. And we went there and uh, the drinks flowed, whatever time in the morning, people dancing away. And I just remember not having seen the crew for a while and then the two pilots reappeared out of nowhere wearing massive lion wigs, wigs to make them look like they had lion manes on. And they were both so should we say tipsy? Yes, yes, Should we say yes. merry? Yes. We won't say drunk, we'll say in merry. Wigs. In wigs. And they proceeded to do the wildest dance you've ever seen on the dance floor. And I remember asking one of them, I said, obviously I know you have a life outside of the plane, but I hadn't realized you were allowed to drink. It's like, look, we're, we're allowed to, we've yeah. got something like eight hours eight before, hours. eight hours, yeah. <laughs> we've got eight hours, as long as we don't drink, uh, and you know, we've got about another 10 minutes to go. <laughs> We're actually very serious about the eight hours. <laughs> he was serious to He was serious to the minute. <laughs> Don't touch me, feels so it's been it had been a very, very busy summer at work. So I've been having kind of trouble getting stories, um, recording stories. It's just been so busy and because it's been, we've been short staffed, so we've been going out one or two fly attendants short, so it makes for very little downtime, and people get slightly cranky. And you know when people are cranky, it's not, it's not that easy to say, so, hey, you got a funny story to tell me, <laughs> person I just met who's in a bad mood. <laughs> but luckily, also because it's been a busy summer, and in the summer, uh, we fly attendants tend to forget every year. It's kind of like maybe women giving birth to a child. They forget until they're about to have another one. But when the summer comes around, you just run into a lot of people that don't fly very often. And they always have a lot of stupid questions and they don't understand anything. Uh, and we forget every year until that next summer rolls around. But here we go. It's a summer flight and I'm working in business class. Two families that got on. Um, and th they had this idea that they didn't want to eat right away because they were trying to get on, you know, the new time zone eating schedule. Most people were worried about the sleeping schedule, but they were worried about their eating schedule. And it was a morning flight, so we were serving breakfast. Um, but they said they don't want to eat. But then when they woke up from a nap, you know, like four hours later, uh, 
The one lady says she'd like her meal. And I was like, okay, sure. So I go to get her meal and I get the, there's multiple courses, right? So the first course, because it's breakfast, it was breakfast, the meal that she refused and now wants. It it comes with, um, it has like fruit and yogurt and then the bread is like a bagel or a croissant. And then your next course because it's like you could have brunch, so you could have an omelet or you could have a chicken dish. But the first course is breakfast. So I, I get her linen down and I set her meal down and she gets a, a pretty snippy voice going and goes, this soup is cold. And I'm like, well, it's cold because it's yogurt. <laughs> it's strawberry yogurt. <laughs> and I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to shame her. I didn't want to say, but you know, she's like, this soup is cold. I'm like, well, that's because it's, it's yogurt, strawberry yogurt. And you know, I got back to the galley and I was thinking, what, what soup is pink? Um, and, and if, if you were to have strawberry soup, I would think you might want it cold. God, Cause I can't imagine hot strawberry soup. <laughs> but anyway, I always think they can't say anything to surprise me, but this woman going, this soup is cold when it was yogurt that was a new one so in the last episode i was telling you how i had been on a theater bender in london i had gone to see four or was it five plays at the time anyway this month I went to see what what was probably the best one yet. It's called Once. It's a romance. And um, it was a movie. I never saw the movie, but they won an Oscar for Best Song. But this performance in London, I had read online because I was doing some research because I've been having such good luck going to the theater. I had read that you could, that the play takes place in a bar and I had read online that you could actually before the show go up on the stage and have a drink on the stage at the bar that's on the stage and I was like how often do you go get to go on stage and have a drink so I was that's the play I really wanted to see and I had on uh, previous layovers tried to get tickets but it was sold out and then this time and it was like a Saturday night I was thinking there's no way I'm gonna get tickets because you know Saturday night's got to be primo time but sure enough I got a discounted ticket and I wanted to make sure I could get there early because my whole point was to go on stage and have a drink on the stage plus I thought it'd be fun to see you know the vantage point of being on a stage in London so I went by myself, and I mainly went by myself because I also didn't think I was going to get tickets, and I didn't want to have other people, you know, get on the metro and, and go over there for nothing. But I actually did get tickets, and probably if I was two people, I wouldn't have got tickets. And I got tickets in, like, the fourth row. It's great. And uh, I get there, and they don't have the, the it open yet. You can't get down to the bar on the stage yet. But I'm talking to some of these two British people out there. And they also knew that you could go on a stage. I'm like, I can't believe it. And they're like, I know we get to go on stage and have a drink. So the three of us, when they open the doors, we get up there. And then about basically like a total of a dozen of us audience members were on the stage. And as the whole theater, I mean, and the, and the theater holds over a thousand people are, are milling in. Uh, I am assuming they didn't know that you could come on stage or the British people I were talking to were saying, well, maybe it's because they're British and, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to do that. Um, I don't know, but only of all the thousand of people coming into the theater, there was only like 12 of us standing on the stage. And then this is the great part. Then 
the cast comes out and they started singing and dancing with us on stage. And so me and my my two new British friends are looking at each other like, oh, we, might, we better go. It's time to go. So we go to get off the stage and the, the stagehand said, no, 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 you guys stay. You'll just be like uh, people at the bar. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so we're, we're just having a drink, watching. They're singing and dancing and jumping around and, and they're all playing instruments. And I couldn't believe that here I was. So I had to listen to the first three songs, like Irish folk songs, on the stage in London. And then the, the stagehand told us to come off, and we went to take our seat. And I sat down, and the guy next to me goes, well, how'd you get to do that? <laughs> I was like, I just read online you could do it. <laughs> he was like, wow. I'm like, yes, it was wow. And and I, don't, I know this isn't a theater review show, but that play, even if I hadn't got to go on stage and see the cast, you know, inches away. It was so good. Each, each, each performer played an instrument. So they were the orchestra. They were so talented and the music just brought tears to your eyes. It was like, it was just, it was so beautiful and, and so moving. And I was just thinking to myself after I've been on this theater bender, you know, we're getting so digital, you know, everything is, is, sort of impersonal you're de- dealing with a with a electronic device or even at a movie but when you're in the theater you know it's like um it's so much more intimate it's so much more personal and you can see the people and they're not that far away and they're and they're performing and you know there's obviously no digitally enhancing their voices because it's live and i was thinking to myself you know in this digital age how often are you moved to tears by the sheer beauty of something you know on your ipad or or it's not the same. And I'm, I'm so glad that the theater in London's doing so well because, you know, that live performance is just, you know, you just can't beat it. Okay, so you were doing the demo? Uh, yeah, we were coming out of Frankfurt. Yeah. Going back to Detroit. And... Uh, the IFE wasn't working quite right, so we right, had to the do video. Manual, you had yeah. to do manual demo. I was like, well, that's just great, you know. <laughs> so, taxi out to the runway, and we're hurrying along to um, find the equipment. And everything was good. The demo was going fine. I pointed out the exits, whatnot. And everything was good until we got to the point where you show the life vest. So I the put, life vest on. Yeah, so I put the life vest on. Wrapped the tape around my waist, clip, clip, pulled right, and it was good until I pulled the two red tabs to show you how to inflate the vest and didn't realize that my demo vest was not a demo vest. So it went... It was more about... (laughs) Well, all I know is those little German folks that were in my section, I'm pretty sure they learned some new English phrases that morning. So like a phrase like what? Well, they were probably sitting there go, boss is son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So this came from a listener named David. Thanks, David. At the end of most commercial flights, after the plane is parked at the gate, the flight crew will come on and tell the passengers to look around to be sure and collect all of your personal belongings. Well, some passengers apparently are better at that than others. 
A live parrot, a glass eye, and a bag of sand are just a few of the bizarre items left behind on planes each year, according to a survey of 700 international cabin crew led by a global travel search site called Skyscanner. Cabin crews have reported an extensive list of items found on flights after passengers have disembarked. It includes a surprising number of forgotten pets. Forgotten pets! <laughs> With crew members reporting to have found a falcon, a frog, a tortoise, as well as a parrot abandoned at the end of the flight. I have to, I have to reread that. Flight attendants have found a falcon! Falcon, a frog, a tortoise, as well as a parrot. <laughs> Dentures, underwear, a glass eye, and a prosthetic wig were also in the long list of weird and wonderful items revealed by the cabin crew. And which posed the question, how did the passenger manage to forget them? Other items found were just simply random. A single egg without packaging, a bag of sand, a written marriage proposal, whether the letter was intended for a cabin crew member or a passenger is unclear. Hopefully, the wedding dress that was found it found its owner by the big day. Sometimes, it's a really big item. One flight attendant reporting recovering a double bass <laughs> at the end of the flight. When it comes to the more regular travel essentials, it seems the passengers are no less forgetful. They have percentages here. Almost a quarter, 24% of crews have found passports, and 23% have found phones, and then 21% have found books. You know, books are no big deal. Okay, but as of the most random items that cabin crew said they have found on the plane, a clog, a box of dried fish, one shoe, a bag of diamonds, a wig, a bag of onions, a toupee, handcuffs, and underwear. And I want to go back there. The thing I would uh, really like to find would be the bag of diamonds. <laughs> So this was told to me by a pilot, and he was talking about when he used to work on the 727. And the 727, I don't know, it just seems like we had more stories in those days because there were three pilots. And this way, you know, you have somebody backing you up so you can have a little more fun. Anyway, he was saying he was a engineer. So the first officer said to him, hey, look, I have been flying with this, what he called, wet rag captain. All month, I'm so tired of flying with him. Oh, the guy's just, you can't get a reaction out of him for anything. He's just a wet rag. And he goes, so I'm going to I'm gonna have some fun with him. So you just play along. Uh, don't say anything. Uh, I, he goes, my girlfriend is the lead flight attendant on, on this next flight. And the captain doesn't know about it. So uh, we're going to be laying over with them. So I'm going to have a little fun. Just, you know, just be quiet. So, you know, he's thinking, okay, I don't know what's going to happen with this. So the lead flight attendant comes up and she asks, um, you go, guys need anything? You want any water? And uh, both the captain and the first officer said they wanted coffee. So she went back, she got him coffee. And the first officer says to his girlfriend, that nobody, the captain doesn't know is his girlfriend. He goes, and he spits the coffee all over the cockpit windows. And he's like, you call this coffee? This is swill. Didn't they teach you how to make coffee? You get back there and make some damn good coffee or there's going to be hell to pay. And the wet rag captain's just kind of sitting there. <laughs> he doesn't do anything, even though here's this guy obviously abusing the flight attendant. Anyway, 
she comes back up and she's like, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. I'm on probation. Probation is like your first six months. And if you get in trouble for anything, basically you can get fired. She's like, I'm on probation. Uh, I'll, I'll make the coffee any way you want. But, you know, there's only, there's only a button. I, there's not that much I can do to make it better. You just put the pack in and push the button. And I hope this is better. Here you go. And she gives it to the first officer. And the first officer goes, and he spits it all over the cockpit window and again it goes what is wrong with you you can't you can't even make a cup of coffee he's like i'm going to your supervisor and she's like please 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 don't go to my supervisor oh you know what do you, do you want me to put two bags of coffee in the coffee maker before i push the button anything you want i'll go get you some coffee out in the concourse if you want <laughs> don't write me up and the wet rag captain's just still sitting there <laughs> as he's berating <laughs> what would be this new fly attendant anyway so again she comes back with some coffee and he goes this coffee's still horrible he's like but i'll tell you what i won't write you up if when we get to the layover 15 minutes after we get there i want you to come to my room wearing nothing but a smile and she was like okay okay i'll do that all right it's fine just don't worry me up it's all good okay thank you she's almost like crying <laughs> So here, the wet rag captain, after watching all this very offensive stuff, right, not knowing that it's his girlfriend, says, uh, well, I don't think much of your technique, but I can't argue with your results. <laughs> That's it. That's it from the wet rag captain. Letting your hair down in the Venezuelan coastal city of Maracaibo can make you a target for criminals. You have to see it to believe it. We're not going to be able to have long hair anymore. As a woman, this is something traumatic. Authorities have recently noticed an increase in the number of attacks against women. The common denominator, all of the victims had long hair. It's happening downtown at the beach or the mall where you find a lot of young women. The thieves grab them by the hair, pull out some scissors, and they cut it. They then sell it at beauty or hair salons. In Venezuela, they call these thieves piranhas. Yes, piranhas just like the meat-eating fish found in South American rivers. It's a crime of opportunity. Just like piranhas, the thieves are fast, ferocious, and seem to have very little compassion for their unsuspecting long-haired victims. It's also happening in neighboring Colombia. Arlene Luna was victimized last year. Luna says that by the time she realized what had happened to her, the thieves had already fled and a chunk of her braid was missing. She lost eight inches of hair. From the robber's perspective, it's quick and relatively easy money. This hair stylist says synthetic hair costs anywhere from $40 to $160, depending on its quality. But natural hair can cost well over $500. All the more to guard your tresses. Rafael Romo, CNN. That story just scared to live in bejesus out of me because i travel so much and i'm always you know holding on to my purse and my money but do i have to now hold on to my purse and my ponytail so this comes from a listener named tyson and he was a black hawk door gunner in iraq and he's saying there are no bathrooms and a helicopter so crew chiefs and door gunners get to go when they're on the ground and there is a spot called the sweet spot 
in the back behind the cargo door where you can pee and not get it all over your leg. So one night under NVG, which I think is night goggles, I had to go so terribly bad that I was going while we were loading the degeneral and embassy workers onto the aircraft. It's dark, so no one could see. But when I got back, <laughs> the general and embassy workers were all wiping their faces thinking it was leaking hydraulic fluid when it was actually, you know, leaking his fluid. <laughs> he said, I said nothing over the ICS, and the other crew chief said nothing. But we all laughed hysterically, the four of us up front. A few episodes ago, I was telling you about my old yellow Volkswagen Beetle. Uh, I had always wanted a Beetle. I think I saw Goldie Hawn in one in a movie. <laughs> she was in California. Anyway, I had this old Beetle. It was uh, 2000, so it was pretty old, and it was basically being kept together with spit and glue and paper clips and tape and clamps. I had a uh, paper clip holding the, the gas cap open because I couldn't open it, man, you know, with the button from the inside that had broken. And uh, I had run over a parking stump and the bumper was hanging down. So I got a clamp. I had to get like any number of clamps to get one big enough. And I got a clamp underneath to hold the bumper up. And then you couldn't open the glove compartment. And I had tape holding the little lever that made the windows go up and down. And you know what? I was still okay with this because I don't like to spend money on cars. I like to spend money on traveling. And uh, it was still running. It was still cute. Uh, but then, just a little while ago, I was driving and I heard this like popping sound. Almost like... A rock hit the window, but a rock didn't hit the window. And then my driver's side window fell down into the door and wouldn't go back up. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I didn't realize how much uh, windows, how important windows are until you don't have them. Because it wouldn't go back up. So it was stuck in the down position. And I went to the mechanic because I thought, well, maybe... You know, maybe I can still fix it in this way. I don't have to get a new car. And they said, well, because also my air conditioning was broken. And it gets to be like 100 degrees here in South Carolina. So um, I knew that was a problem. But with the, he said it was the motor. So with the motor being broken and the air conditioning was going to be like $1,500. And at this point, it being already held together with clamps and paper clips and tape, <laughs> I decided, okay. It's probably time, but wouldn't you know, because my window is down and I tried different, um, I seen people with plastic over windows, but it's so windy here by the beach that every configuration I tried with tape and stuff, it would just blow back in. And, uh, wouldn't you know, it's when we had a ton of rain, rain all the time. And you know what, when the window doesn't go up, you just get wet. <laughs> Which is a problem. And, you know, I was, I didn't want to buy a car really quickly just because I was, uh, had a lot of wind and, and water coming in while I was driving. And here's the other big problem. I just park in a parking lot. There's no cover. I don't have a covered spot. Um, it's just the parking lot for the marina. And, uh, I didn't want the car to flood. So I realized there's a, there's a bridge not that far away that I could park under the bridge and walk home in the rain. But then I also was concerned that because the window was open. And then at one point, I was driving around to different car dealerships. The other window, the other window 
fell in. <laughs> almost like a convertible now. But what I was worried about when I was parking it under the bridge because I didn't want it to flood, I was afraid. We got a lot of wildlife around here. I thought, I'm going to come back and there's going to be like a raccoon or a, a possum or, I don't know, some other creature just living in it. <laughs> so... I now have a new little, I bought an economy little car. There's a lot of cute, pretty cheap cars out there now. Um, and, you know, I haven't had a new car in a long time. They got some nice stuff in it. So I actually have a car now that isn't held together by paper clips, tape, and clamps. Thanks for the I want to thank you guys for when you're going to buy something on Amazon. For those of you who went through my website, BettyInTheSky.com, because I had, I think it was the best month ever. It's great. I don't know if you guys just had a lot to buy or if maybe I got some new listeners. But I got people, um, somebody bought like a scanner and someone bought five like Canon cartridges. And somebody bought 18 cup inverters, which are, is a device to power your devices in your car but somebody bought 18 of them which is great cb radio didn't even know people still use those but i'm actually glad to hear people still use cb radios and someone even bought a toilet a toilet on amazon <laughs> a nice expensive toilet so thank you so much and if you're gonna buy something on amazon just consider possibly going through my website bettingthesky.com doesn't cost you anymore and you support the show thank you so much Is it not anymore? No. Okay, so back in the day, yeah. you were a pilot. Right, and back in the day, you didn't say line up and wait. You know, if the play, wait for traffic ahead to clear. It was your call sign, runway, whatever, position and hold. And now what is it now? Now it's line up and wait. Oh. But it used to be position and hold. So we were leaving Baltimore, and they said, you know, blah, 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 position and hold. Three, three, right. And yeah, with the lady controller, don't tell her you're going to pull it out and hold it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. So I'm all over the place in this episode, talking about theater. Now I'm going to talk about a home remedy. <laughs> Little things, when something natural actually works it, it's just sort of shocking to me and I love to share it and I'm going to be excited to share it with passengers because it's a problem that I notice well I guess it's men and women but I, I tend to notice more women complaining about it they come to the back of the galley and they complain about having um, cramps in their feet and I can get cramps in my feet if I say if I'm traveling as a passenger if I if I'm traveling over 10 hours, like something, you know, it's basically, I think if I'm overly tired, I can get cramps in my feet. And, you know, then, then you can't sleep or anything because, you know, your, your, your feet are cramped up. So a uh, flight attendant, that's one of the beauties of being a flight attendant is you run into so many people and so many people just know things or have heard things. And I don't know how we got on the topic of <laughs> feet cramping up, but she goes, oh yes, I it was all a big problem for me. At least uh, getting my, my cramps in my feet and, and I wouldn't be able to sleep and she goes but now it's totally solved I'm like solved how did you solve it she said soap I'm like what she's like soap just soap um she goes she puts it 
And she said, you can use any kind of soap. She uses Irish Spring. But she cuts the soap up and puts it under the, the fitted sheet. So there's soap, like on the mattress or on the mattress pad. And then there's the sheet and down by your feet. And she says she no longer gets cramps. So I decided I'm putting this to the test because I... I went to Honolulu recently because I'm still thinking about purchasing a place there. And if I sell my place, still on the market, um, it took me like two days to get there because of standby and I had to take so many flights. I almost went to Narita to get home. <laughs> Nothing like going from Honolulu to Tokyo to come back to the East Coast. But they were just, the flights were so full, I didn't see any other option. Anyway, so... I had been overtired, and sure enough, my feet, and I was flying as a passenger, so you're not moving around as much, my feet started to cramp up. And because this woman had told me about this soap, I'd been carrying around a little, you know, soap you get in a hotel room. And I took that soap, and I started rubbing it on my feet. And guess what? Cramps went away. I have tried so many things in the past to, you know, relieve foot cramps cramping. I even bought something over the counter. It didn't work. Uh, I used to try to elevate them. I used to try different like, you know, like marching in place. So many things just didn't work. But guess what works? It's the soap. So now I am carrying little because, you know, I, I'm in hotels a lot. So there's I, I have access to little bars of soap. So now I'm actually can't wait for the next woman to come back complaining about her cramps and her feet. And I'm going to be like, here you go. I got the cure. Have the, have the cure on me. <laughs> That's going to be fun. And now watch, because I have the cure in my bag, I won't have anybody complaining about foot cramps. But I'm ready. I'm ready to go with my soap cure. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.